Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews for what should be our second to last sermon in Hebrews, number 74 here. So uh, looking forward to uh, not being done with Hebrews, but uh, looking forward to its conclusion and moving on to what the Lord has for us next. And uh, I know for me, at least, it has been a good journey uh, through Hebrews to study uh, God's Word and just to be such a wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, so this morning, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to turn our attention to uh, verses 17, uh, 18, and 19 here. And really, we are kind of um, jumping back in to something that Evan laid out for us a couple of weeks ago. Um, with Let's just read our text, and we'll t- kind of tell you why it starts in verse 7. But Hebrews 13, verse 17 says this. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be no, of no advantage to you. Pray for us, he says. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for a chance to come to your word, to open it up, Father, uh, to read it, and to be under its preaching, Lord. And we pray that it is evident that your spirit, Father, uh, is speaking this morning the power of your word. Thank you for Hebrews, for for all that is in Hebrews, um, for how it points us to Christ as He is our great shepherd, as we'll see this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you have given your church, your bride, leadership, and you've given us instruction in that. And so help us to, to see and to hear this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Well, there's this, and we'll come back to it a little bit, but there's really uh, this text, if you will, kind of starts in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Uh, pastors often get a bad rap, and I was asked this morning if I had my three points. And so uh, right, every good preacher has three points in a poem. Uh, well, Hebrews has three points, really, to ultimately is talking about its leaders, and it starts in verse 7, where it says, Remember your leaders, as we'll come back to in just a moment. And then in verse 17, obey your leaders. And then verse 18, pray for us. And he's referring to the leaders there of the church, as we'll see. So really, there's these three points to the text, and that is to remember your leaders, obey your leaders, and pray for your leaders. And we'll look at that this morning. But first, let us identify who these leaders are, because it says obey your leaders. You need to know who you're going to obey. And we walked through a few weeks ago, remember your leaders. And so who are these leaders that we're speaking of? Uh, as we see in Romans chapter 13, there's a, uh, and it's a passage that we go to often as we talk about government, uh, where Paul says that we are to obey our leaders. And this is not the same leaders. There is a, a civil leadership in government. 
we can talk about later on a different occasion. Uh, but this morning, the leaders of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, and really the whole, uh, the whole uh, chapter here is not a reference to civil and government leaders. Uh, for one, if you want to have proof of that, it says they're keeping watch over your souls. Now, the government may be keeping watch over you, but it's not your souls. Uh, they do not care about who you are and your soul and your eternal uh, state with God. Uh, so what leaders then are they referring to? They were referring to the leaders of the church. Uh, we often refer to here as elders, and there are uh, many different words used in the New Testament for elders. Uh, but we are referring to the elders, the leadership of the local church. And specifically, as we'll see this morning, we're, uh, we're speaking to the plurality of elders. Uh, and for, if you're not familiar with that term, if you're new with this this morning, it may sound a bit odd, it may even sound a bit cultish. What is this plurality of elders that I've never heard of? And if you're part of North Hills, it is a term that you should be very, very familiar with. Uh, but, but the plurality of elders refers to multiple biblically qualified church leaders. And so as we see in Hebrews chapter 13 here, when it says remember your leaders and obey your leaders and to pray for your leaders, it is, a, it is referring to the, the local plurality of God-appointed leaders in the church. So let's turn real quick as we talk about these leaders to 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's a couple of different places you can go uh, to look at uh, these qualifications of church leaders. But uh, we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 briefly for these first seven verses to see who are these elders, these leaders, overseers, bishops, pastors. Uh, a lot of words that ultimately point to the same role, and that is a shepherd or an under-shepherd, one who cares for the flock of God. And so um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer, an elder, a pastor, a leader, if you will, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, Able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil." Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the, de the devil. And so we see a lot of qualifications there. And we've spent time in, in the past of North Hills walking through these qualifications. And it is important to note that these, this is not a checkbox. Okay, this person, uh, the, the, the leaders that God calls to a church, the, the, uh, the elders of a church, need to perfectly embody these because we know we don't. There is no elder that will ever perfectly embody any characteristic. There is no Christian that will ever perfectly embody anything other than Christ because Christ is the only one who is perfect and so but we see we see qualifications we see what the, the picture of an elder of a leader of someone that God has established to lead in his church uh, I would present this 
definition of an elder for you. The elders are imperfect men desiring to use their God-given gifts to lead imperfect people to be more like their perfect Savior. And so that's the ultimate picture is that God is using imperfect men uh, to lead in His church, to lead imperfect people to be more like Christ. And so that is the picture. And so as we talk about elders this morning, very specifically, I just want to make sure that we don't have a wrong view of elders. We're not looking for perfect men. We're looking for those that God is looking, God is using those who ultimately, I love always pointing to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3 there in the first verse that says those who desire, those who are looking, those that God has put this desire and the heart to lead, that's where it starts. Because we believe, as we'll see this morning in Hebrews 13, 17, we'll see uh, that it is a very sober calling. And so uh, that is, that is a, a brief picture of what an elder is, but it is important to talk, about, to talk about plurality, to talk about multiple elders in the church. That is not a call just for one elder, because uh, the only single leader in the church is Christ. He is our chief shepherd. He is our chief elder. He is the only one who leads in a single platform as we look to Christ. In the church, as we'll see in the New Testament this morning, it is a call for multiple men that God has called to lead the church. Much of the world outside of our denomination thinks that it is run by one person, and that is the Pope. And we know, hopefully we know in here, that is wrong uh, and even sinful. It is not run by one man. Uh, many, in our, even in our own denomination, have looked to for so many years a single pastor as the head of the church. And this is misguided and unhealthy because the church is not to be led or run by one individual except Christ. And what we'll see in Scripture is that there is clear indication, there is clear prescription, if you will, that the church is to be led by a plurality of qualified men uh, for the church as the Lord has set out. The only time that you see singular leadership in the New Testament as we, as, we, as we figure out how to function as a New Testament church, there's not a book called New Testament uh, Church. There's not a book that you can just go to, oh, here's all the things we do and how we do it. But we read all of Scripture, especially in the New Testament church. We see this birth in, in Acts, and we, and we see how we are to act, how we are to behave, how we are to structure ourselves. And the only time you see in the New Testament uh, an individual, and those are apostles uh, that God used to start churches. But we see even the apostles, as they started churches, they did so with the plurality of elders. Just to point to a few passages that are helpful to us, and, and you can write these down, we're not going to turn to them, but 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, we see that Paul instructs Titus to appoint elders in every town. He says, as Paul was training Titus and Timothy and these other young men in ministry, he said, I want you to establish and to, uh, to appoint elders, uh, plural Acts chapter 14, or, uh, 14, 15, and 16, but specifically 14, we see that in every church, elders were appointed. Every church that was planted, every New Testament church, elders, plural, were appointed. And then in James chapter 5, verse 14, it says, When there are sick in the church, the church is commanded to call upon the elders to let them lay on of hands. And so it is clear throughout uh, the New Testament and other, many other places, and even our text this morning, says obey your leaders, plural, that there is a plurality of elders. And so despite that most Baptists today are, um, 
are maybe unfamiliar with this term, the plurality of elders, the idea is nothing new. This is not something new that the church in the 21st century has come up with. We see, rather, it is something that churches are now rediscovering is the proper biblical order for church leadership. So it's important for us as Christians, as gospel-centered believers, for those who want to align ourselves with Scripture, see that when it says, remember your leaders and obey your leaders and pray for your leaders, who those leaders are. And so that is a brief understanding of what Hebrews referred to as leaders. Now, back to our text with these three key words, remember, obey, and pray. So how do we do this? How do we remember our leaders? How do we obey our leaders? And how do we pray for our leaders? And I guess just a disclaimer that is helpful for me is that although I am an elder, obviously here at North Hills Church, I also have elders in my life. And these are not elders outside of North Hills that I go to on a weekly basis since I elder me, that I am just like all of those covenant members here at North Hills Church. I am under these elders that God has appointed and will continue to appoint in the future of North Hills as he confirms those as we move forward, as we grow, and as God continues to put that desire in other men's hearts to lead. These elders, they speak truth into my life. They love my family, and they pray for me. And I know this, and I'm confident in this. And so as we, we're not going to really unpack verse 7 here, and uh, where it says, remember your leaders. Evan did a very faithful job walking through that text a couple weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago now, where it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Now, these are big words, right? Because especially as elders, we know we're not perfect. As elders, we know there's a lot of things I don't want you to imitate. <laughs> that's a lot of aspects of me. I'd say don't, and that's the sinful part of me. But as, as, as the leaders in the church, it says you should remember your leaders and look to these who spoke the word of God to you, who spoke scripture to you. Look at the outcome of their life and imitate that. And so consider their outcome and imitate their faith. And even as I look at these other elders, I think about James and the wisdom and godly discernment that he, uh, he demonstrates in his life. And I desire that. I look at Ryan, I see his commitment to his family and desire for gospel-centered discipleship. And I desire that as a person. And I look to Justin, I, I see his love and his grasp for Scripture. And I desire that. I want to imitate that. I want to be modeled in my life. So this is not just for you, this is for me. As I look, as I remember my leaders, remember these elders that God has placed in my life. But then, like I said, we'll leave that to Evan from a few weeks ago. And so let's turn to verse 17 here, 18 and 19, where it says, Obey your leaders. I'm like, forget that. I ain't listening to these guys. The captain of my own ship. No, that's the, that's the mentality we want to have, but it's not the mentality of Scripture. It's not the heart of Scripture where it says clearly, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, this is, this is difficult language, to be honest, because we don't like talking about obedience. And I'm going to use the words of Piper, and uh, quite honestly, this is the, the, the same thoughts as I'm working through this text, and Piper, as always, just says it best. I just want to read kind of his two, he, he, he came to the same assessment, that there are two dangers, actually multiple dangers, multiple pitfalls as we think about obedience and obeying our leaders. But the first one is this. He says, culturally, the defining spirit in America today is self-determination, 
not submission to the will of another. The ultimate value in America is the unencumbered self. Anything that enhances my individual liberty to do as I please is good. It's not saying that is good. He's saying that's the American spirit. The spirit of individualism. The spirit of personal and independent liberty. And anything that encumbers me and limits my ability to do as I please is bad. Self is king. And autonomy is the highest law. That makes this text, he's referring to Hebrews 13 here, culturally outrageous to obey your leaders and to submit to them. So as we look at this text, there are two difficulties as we think about obedience. The first is that, this American spirit that we have in us, in our culture. But the second is because of the abuse that is found in the church, both historically and even today. There is abuse in the church and from its leaders, specifically from pastors. And this is, this is unfortunate. And this is, we see it almost on a weekly basis where a leader, a trusted leader, is found to have abused those in the church. And that abuse comes in many different forms. Uh, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. And it's tragic and there's no place for that in the church. And oftentimes it happens whenever you have men in place without accountability who are not a part of a plurality of elders, not a part of men who are eldering each other. And so there is this uh, American spirit of, of liberty and, and, and independent um, self-thought and self-awareness and, and all about self. And as he says so well there, this self-determination and, and this desire not to submit to the will of another. And there's also experience that many have with abuse in the church. And there may be some of you who have walked through that and have experienced that in your life. And it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. There's no excuse for it. Except for, as North Hills, as we desire to be a gospel-centered, biblically healthy church, there's no place for that kind of abuse. And so, these are the pitfalls, these are the things, the obstacles, if you will, whenever we read these words, obey your leaders and submit to them. And so the word here for obey is, is interesting to me. The word is actually translated persuade or convince. And, and, and I like this a lot, really, because it, it kind of takes us away from this, even this thought of, of authoritarian leadership, that you just do what I say. But instead, the authority that elders have in a gospel-centered, healthy church is not their words, but it is the Word of God. And the only authority that an elder has to stand on is the Word of God. And to be able to, and not to use it in a negative sense at all, but to be able to persuade or convince by the Word of God what the Word of God says. And so that is where authority of church leadership comes, is to be able to convince from Scripture what truth is. Not twist Scripture, not bend Scripture to your own will, but to faithfully interpret. This is why we commit to expository preaching, to expose Scripture and to expose the truth of God's Word. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to the original audience? What does it mean for us today? How do we live in light of this truth? And that is the, that is the task of the elder. 
And that is the authority in which they have, not an absolute authority by their own words. Because in actuality, they have no authority outside the authority of Scripture. The job of the elder is very simple, and it's found in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. It's twofold. Elders are committed to two things. This is their job description. We love job descriptions, right, in corporate America, and your job probably has a long description. I loved when I was growing up in ministry. Um, it was the, the running joke because it was true. You have a youth pastor. You have two or three pages of job description. And at the very bottom, it said, and all other things assigned by pastor. <laughs> Just that catch-all, right? But a biblical elder, his job description is two things, as found in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. That is the ministry of prayer and the word to teach the word and to pray that is it there's other things the elders do but ultimately at the heart the, the the god called responsibility of an elder is to pray for his people for the flock of god to to, to entrust them to the lord to remember them them to think of them to think of their family to pray for their family and to be committed to the proper teaching of god's word Therefore, the authority that elders have come from prayerful, prayerfully considering and teaching Scripture. And even as we flesh out Scripture on Sunday mornings to know that not only are you sitting under the preaching of God's Word, but you're sitting under the preaching of God's Word of, of, of leaders that have prayed for you and continue to pray for you and will always pray for you. So that is the, the job description of the elder is to, is to pray for the people of God and to faithfully preach the word of God. So as elders lead, they do so motivated that we all, including ourselves, conform our lives to the pattern of Scripture and the image of Jesus. That is our desire. As we, as we pray for our people, as we preach God's word, there is no motivation other than us becoming more like Christ. And we do so by reading, understanding, and, and fleshing out his word. We do this as we come to texts like this and say, obey your leaders. And I don't, I'm not going to do that. That's not my experience. I don't want to be a part of a church that says you have to obey their leaders. Oh, that's what it means to obey the leaders that God has, has set for His church and conforming to that as we remember our leaders and obey our leaders and pray for our leaders. When you choose to join a local church, you are aligning yourself with the teaching of the elders of that church. Does that mean that you have to agree with every word? Absolutely not. I don't agree with some of the things I say. Just kidding. Sometimes. <laughs> but matters of importance and issues of life should be entrusted to those that God has placed in your life and those who leave the church. Not by their word, not by our wisdom, not by our wit, not by our experience, not by our philosophy, not by anything other than the word of God, the commitment of the elders of the local church to faithfully seek and to understand God's word and apply it to not only their own lives but to the lives of the church and the lives of those that God has entrusted them with. But here's the real kicker, if you will. This is where it gets very uh, daunting. 
that elders do this not because they or we desire authority or desire a place of, of anything, but because we are accountable to God for your soul. As you continue in verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And not an account to each other. Not an account to some higher board of elders. But an account to God. And as we've walked through with other men in recent years, and since we've begun North Hills and have pursued this plurality of elders, this is a verse that we always go to. Because one who desires, as it says in 1 Timothy, and in Titus, the office of elder, the role of elder, the place of, of leading, should always be very mindful of that right there. That that is the motivation, that is the responsibility, is that there is an accountability to the very souls and people of God. And that's why we take membership here very seriously. That's why we, we talk about and practice covenant membership. That's why we sit in each other's homes and to hear the story of people and how they come to know the Lord and that they know Christ. Because God's Word says the leaders of His church will, be, will, be, will have to give an account for those that He has entrusted them with. It's often said that there is no more daunting passage in Scripture for a pastor, for an elder, for a leader, than this one right here. It is a reminder that both the elders and church members have the God-given responsibility of caring for the flock. Godly elders lead well because they love earnestly. So how do you take on this responsibility? Is because you love the people of God. You love the bride of Christ. You love the kingdom of God. Go with me to Second uh, Thessalonians, if you will. Paul says it best. Second Thessalonians. We'll start in verse uh, eight, chapter two. I'm sorry, First Thessalonians. I think I wrote the wrong. 1 Thessalonians, there we go. Chapter 2, verse 8. And we've, we've been in this passage before. It's a, it's a beautiful passage at the heart of an of a, of apostle, in this case, of a pastor, of an elder, of a leader, someone that God has set over his church. This is what Paul says. So being affectionately desirous of you, Paul likes to say things in long ways. He said, because I love you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. That's the heart of any gospel-centered elder is that it's not just about preaching the gospel, which is enough, 
But the people of God have become so close, so desirous, that we loved so much, become so dear, as he says, and continue. But you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So you see this picture of of these, these leaders in the church saying we love you so much and we want you to be more like Christ. We want you to be more like us. If it's anything like us, we want you to be like us as we are like Christ. And we also thank God and constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, that you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. So we see this motivation. We see this picture as Paul is is kind of opening up his heart here to his church. So that we love you. We want to be with you. You're dear to us. We treasure you. We want to be more like Christ. We want you to imitate these churches that are being more like Christ. We want to speak into your life when it's difficult that you would be more like Christ. I wish it was the job of elders just to be encouragers. <laughs> but he said, we'd exhort you, we'd admonish you. Because we're not always like Christ, are we? And we need to be reminded of what it means to follow Jesus and to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And so that is what motivates the leaders of the church of God. So the people will become more like Christ. And I believe that once you understand the responsibility and the motivation of leaders in the church, of elders, of pastors, that properly it should motivate a gospel-centered church member to joyously submit. Because you read that second part there. So man, preacher, you got it. You got all the work here. I love what the Spirit adds on the second part of verse 17. So obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to either of you. So to recognize that the call of the elders of the church are to help us all to become more like Christ, And that as they do this, and even in my own life, as they do this, to make it a joy to them. To make it a joy. You go to Matthew 18, is the passage we often go to for church discipline. Step number one is repent and be more like Jesus. If we often stop there, it'd be great. Brother, repent. Be like Christ. And not have a hard heart and turn that admonishment away. So to let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. 
And they continue there. It says, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Now, I just want to just park there just for a moment because he could have said this much differently. So pray for us. We have it all together. Pray for us. We're walking righteously. Pray for us. Fill in the blank. But a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. You don't have to have a strong amen corner on this statement, but your elders are imperfect. (laughs) Your elders make mistakes. Your elders mess up. Maybe don't always act honorably in all things. Maybe not always respond graciously in all discussions. Maybe not always respond in the, the right time. Maybe not always fill in the blank. But the desire is to act honorably in all things. The heart of the elders here at North Hills Church is a clear conscience and a desire to act honorably and to walk humbly with our God and to see the people of God do likewise. He says, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. There's a lot happening in that verse there. Some of it we don't understand, but it goes from, from this plural sense, from us, pray for us, obey your leaders, to now he's, he's first person. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, to do these things, to remember your leaders, obey your leaders, and to pray for your leaders that I may be restored to you sooner. And likely it's a displaced apostle or even an elder who's not physically with his people. And I mean, how much more can we understand that today is that we have opportunities to gather virtually. But there's no replacement for being amongst the people of God in person. So there's this, this reminder that as the people of God, we should pray for the leaders of God. We should pray for the elders in the local church. They need, we need your prayer. That we would have a clear conscience. That we would act honorably. That we would be committed to our job description to pray for the people of God and to faithfully preach the Word of God. So pray for your leaders. Obey and submit to your leaders and remember your leaders But as we close, I'd say the most important thing of all of it is to remember who your true leader is. That John will and has and will again fail you. Not as much as Ryan, but Ryan's going to mess up. Ryan's going to fail you. Justin's going to mess up and fail you. James is going to mess up and fail you. Evan's going to mess up and fail you. Whoever God brings in the future of North Hills until he returns are imperfect men. But the one who will never fail you the one who will never leave you, the one who will never forsake you, is our chief shepherd. And I'm reminded often, and I like to use these words, is as elders, we are under shepherds. We are not the shepherds of the flock of God. Christ is the shepherd of his own church. Christ is the leader. He is the chief. He is our king. And he is that good shepherd who leads perfectly. So even in the midst of imperfect leaders, imperfect fellow members, imperfect all of those who stand around us, even in the midst of, of failures that we see in the church, 
Because inevitably this year in 2021, a news, article, a, a news article will come out and unfortunately someone that you have high esteem for spiritually will probably fail. And when that happens, our hope is not in that person. Our hope is in Christ. Because He will never fail us. And He will never leave us. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank You for this morning. I thank You for this opportunity as, you've give us, as You have given us each week to come and gather as Your people. Thank You, Lord, for Your church that You have established that you keep, that you strengthen, and that you've provided leadership for. I thank you for the men that you have called to lead here at North Hills and for those that you will call in months and years ahead. Most of all, we thank you for Christ who we can look to with all of our hope. We'll never be disappointed. We'll never be frustrated. And we'll never be at loss. So we thank you for our chief shepherd. And this morning as we sing, as we come to the communion tables, we have a chance to respond to your preached word as we leave this place. May we do so very mindful of Christ to be more like him in all that we do and say. In the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen.